Can you imagine Christmas without Christ? As God's children, we must realize that without Jesus, there's no redemption, no salvation, no hope for eternal life in the Father's presence, and no Christmas. Join us today as Pastor Rander teaches how God, in His wisdom, sent Jesus to dwell among us and save us in this message. He'll be teaching from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. The Lord Jesus came as the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is Lord and King. He is God all by himself. I can get happy, right? That there's none like him. He has no equals. God all by himself. Who does the Bible say, say he is? Jesus is the Savior. That's why we celebrate Christmas. We're celebrating the Christ who is a savior, the savior. Matthew 1.21 says, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save, underline that. He came to save his people from their sins. Luke 19.10 says, for the son of man has come to seek and to save. That's why we call him savior because he came to save. He came to what? He came to what? Save that which was lost. So great was the love of God for fallen humanity that he gave his one and only son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to save sinful humanity from the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and in the future, the presence of sin. And those who place their faith and hope in Christ alone will have everlasting life with him in heaven. Who does the Bible say Jesus is? Jesus is truth. 1 John 5, 20 says, and we know that the son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Look in the, in the text, true, true. True. Jesus is the embodiment of truth. Jesus is the essence of truth. Jesus is the personification of truth. In him was no sin. In him was no deceit. In him was no guile. In him was no deception. And in him was no falsehood. He is the God of truth. First Peter 2.22 speaks of the sinlessness of Christ. The scripture says, who committed, in First Peter 2.22, uh, who committed no sin, nobody else can say that, nor was deceit found in his mouth. Everything he said was absolutely perfect. Mary and Joseph had a big uh, issue on their hand. How do you raise a perfect baby? A baby that knows every strand on the mama's head and the daddy's head. A baby that knows everything and never wrong. Wow. They had to have some, they had to pray to raise Jesus. (laughs) They had to do some tall prayer. God, they they, they talked to God the Father. Uh, Matter of fact, they probably looked at Jesus knowing he was saying, hey, you, you, you God. Now, God, I need you to help me to raise you. How about that? <laughs> Who else can say that? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking in the face of God. So listen, I can't be the parent that you want me to be unless you help me, God. The baby helped the parents raise him. 
<laughs> I can get happy on that. Jesus says in John 14, 6, that he is the truth. Beloved, anyone who says that Jesus is not truth is a liar, a deceiver, and an antichrist. Who does the scripture say Jesus is? Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is the only way to heaven. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Acts 4, 12 also says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. God sent his one and only, one and only son because the only way to be reconciled back to God and have peace with him is through Jesus Christ alone. These verses speaks of the the exclusivity of the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone is the only way to the Father and the only way into the kingdom of God. Why would God send his only son to save us and then give us 15 ways to get into the kingdom? That's called confusion. What does the scripture say about Jesus? Who is he? Jesus is God. Not only is he truth, he's God. John 1, 1 through 2 and verse 14 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. John twenty twenty eight also says, Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God, my God. He, he said, my God, he took ownership. My God, he's mine. I don't know who he is to you, but I know who he is to me. He's mine. When's the last time you said Jesus is my God? My God. Jesus was not only a man. Jesus was not only a great teacher. Jesus was not only a great prophet. He was God in human flesh. He was perfect humanity and undiminished deity. In this historical profile, let's now address who sent him. Who sent him? What a question. Who sent Jesus? God the Father sent Jesus because of the sinfulness and depravity of humanity. And there was nothing, anything, anyone could do to save us from our eternal state of lostness. Man had been lost a long time. And no one could deliver us. No one, we couldn't even help ourselves. So God did for us that which we could never do. We couldn't earn salvation. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't create a way to save us. Thank God for Christmas, the Christ of Christmas. First John 4, 14 says, and we have seen and testified that the father has sent the son to be the savior of the world. Salvation was not an afterthought. Jesus said, oh man, I forgot something. I think I better go back and do this thing. I think I need to um, reconsider some things. Oh no, 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 it wasn't. He just didn't conjure up a think of this plan. The redemptive plan of God was not an afterthought. It was a forethought before the foundation of the world. He said, how do you know that? Because of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 through 28, it says, but with the precious blood of Christ, and as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, look at verse 20. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation 
of the world. God had a plan. <laughs> Nothing catches God off guard. God knew before the foundation of the world, uh, he knew what man would do before he was in the garden, before he was tempted. God had a plan, a redemptive plan that was foreordained before the world was even made. God the Father sent God the Son. This was preordained. In this historical profile, where was Jesus born? Where was he born? See, y'all gonna know all about Christmas now. Christmas is not about frosted the snowman. It is not about mistletoes. It is not about Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. <laughs> Christmas is about Jesus. Where was he born? Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. And Bethlehem means house of bread. The bread of life was born in the house of bread. Micah foretold of Jesus' coming and where he would be born. It says in Micah 5, 2, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Hey, by the way, you know Jesus is from everlasting to everlasting. He's God. He's God. Matthew 2, 1 also says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, says Matthew 2, 1. He was born in Bethlehem. In this historical profile, we like to now dress. When did Jesus come? When did he come? The scripture says in Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. <laughs> Listen at this. At the precise moment. Look at this. At the precise moment. I reiterate. At the precise moment in human history, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, which speaks of the humanity of Christ and his virgin birth, born of a woman. Jesus was born under the law, which obligated him to obey God's law, which he fulfilled perfectly like no one else in order to provide salvation for a fallen world. Matthew 5, 17 says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And Jesus came and fulfilled the prophets, fulfilled the law, and left nothing in the law unfulfilled. In this profile, what is his name? You know, when you get a baby on the scene, the first thing you ask is, is the boy or girl? What is his name? The name of Jesus is filled with meaning and significance. Jesus' name in Hebrew was Yeshua. 
Yeshua, which translates to English as Joshua. Joshua mean Joshua, Joshua and Jesus means Yahweh saves. Joshua and Jesus means Yahweh saves or the Lord is salvation. In Luke 131, it says, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Matthew 121 also says, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. His name is Jesus. The scripture says his name is Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. What does all that mean? Inherent in the name of Jesus is salvation, which means to deliver. Inherent in Jesus' name, it means to save, to rescue from the power, penalty, and one day the presence of sin. Jesus is also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, it says, Behold the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God came down from heaven, invaded time and space, born in a little village town to be with us. When Jesus was born, he was born among people, but today he indwells the believer when we receive him as our personal savior. Jesus is also called Messiah and Christ. He's called Messiah in the Old Testament and he is the Christ of the New Testament, both of which means anointed one. The name of Jesus is above every name. <laughs> I don't care what your child's name is, it's above your child's name. You know, you know, the most, and anyhow, most of these names today, folk are calling, you see, you know, Kuta Kenti and, and, you know, and uh, I don't know what their name is, but these are all, some, some names. I said, what is that? And they're so long, it's not enough squares to put the child's name in an application. They just, 26 letters in the name. It don't mean nothing. Hey, Jesus is called Messiah and Christ. The anointed one, the name of Jesus is above every name. In other words, his name is a transcendent, a transcendent name. The name Jesus is a supreme name. The name Jesus is the highest of names. You can't get any higher than the name of Jesus. And when you talk about Jesus negatively, you're talking about my daddy. You talking about my daddy? I'm subject to beat you up. You know, you know, you, 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 your other folk. You, you know how siblings used to fight and get at each other and always fall out. But when somebody from the outside mess with y'all, all y'all gang up on them. You're not gonna do that to my sister. Don't you talk about my mama? Don't you talk about my daddy? You know, we ought to be offended when we hear the Lord's name taken in vain, and you ought to be ashamed when you take the Lord's name in vain. You don't just use the Lord's name. It's so holy until you don't just say, oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, this. You put Jesus in there. Oh, Jesus. Help, help my team win the game. God said, don't put me in that. 
I got more holier business than be worried about whether your team's going to win when folk are dying and going to hell and you praying that I help the team win. His name is holy. In his name is majesty. His name is magnificent. His name is transcendent. His name is supreme. There is none like him because his name is above every name. And that's above my name and your name. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Beloved, not only is Jesus heaven's king, and not only is Jesus born king of the Jews, I, I serve notice on you today that Jesus is my king. Can you say Jesus is my king? Oh, if, if he's really your king, you ought to say it like you mean it. Jesus is my king. Say it. Jesus is my king. Say Jesus is, my king. Jesus is my king. The question is, is he your king? Does he rule and reign as king and Lord over your life? Let me read an excerpt from a sermon entitled, That's My King by the late S.M. Lockridge. Uh, S is for Shadrach. M is for Meshach. Lockridge. He was born in about 1913. I was privileged when I was in my 20s to hear him preach in the conventions. I was, he was already in his 60s, near 70, when I was just, I wasn't even preaching when I heard him in the convention. Former pastor of Calvary Baptist Church in San Diego, California. He preached in just as many black churches and white churches. He was well sought after, a distinguished-looking black man, a tremendous soldier of the cross. The Bible says, the Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's the king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's the king of Israel. That's a national king. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Well, I wonder, do you know him? David said, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. My king is sovereign, is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoreless supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessing. That's my king. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. That's my king. Do you know him today? The greatest phenomenon that ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's the sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude 
of himself. He's awesome. He's unique. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. That's my king. He's the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the supreme problem in higher criticism. That's my king. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the cardinal necessity of spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. That's my king. He's the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient savior. That's my king. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength to the weak. He's able to be tempted and tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses lepers. He forgives sinners. That's my king. He discharges debtors. He delivers captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the aged. He rewards the diligent and he beautifies the meek. That's my king. I wonder, do you know him today? Well, my king is the king. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness and the gateway of glory. That's my king. Well, do you know him? His office is manifold. His promise is sure. His light is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. I I like that. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. He reigns forever. He reigns in righteousness and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That's my king. I wish I could describe him to you today. But he's indescribable, he's incomprehensible, he's invincible, and he's irresistible. That's my king. Well, do you know him today? You can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him. You can't live without him. The Pharisees couldn't stand the man, but they found out they couldn't stop him either. That's my king. Pilate couldn't find any fault in him. The witness couldn't get their testimonies to agree. Herod couldn't kill him and death couldn't handle him. That's my king and the grave could not hold him. He rose third day morning. That's my king. Yes, that's my king. That's my father. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. And how long? is that and when you get through with all the forevers you say amen you say amen you say hallelujah and a amen that's my king and all God's children said when you get through with all that the only thing that you can conclude is that Jesus is my king he's mine he's mine And when he's mine, hell can't take him away. Demons can't take him away. Politics can't take him away. The virus can't take him away. Hardships and crises and sickness can't take him away. He holds me in the palm of his hand. And if you don't know this king, you can get to know him today if you trust him alone by faith through grace. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord,
we thank you for this message. You've been so good to us. Thank you for this historical profile. So much embodied in it that I couldn't finish it today. Can't wait the next time to get the second spiritual injection of the historical perspective and biological sketch of the King of Glory. We thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and your benefits. We love you, Jesus. We bless you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would move someone who's here today that don't know you to come to you. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would move amidst your people. There are many today who needed this message and they learned something about your ancestry, who you are, where you came from. And I pray that all moves us to bow the knee to Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. You're here today and know not the Savior. We welcome you to come to Christ. Listen, if you could hear that historical profile not knowing Christ and you sit here with whimsical, flimsy excuses and leave like you came, shame on you. God brought you here whether you are a visitor whether you're a longtime member of Maranatha, God wanted to give you a taste of what real Christmas is all about. The truth be told, we're hearing too much shenanigans and myths about the essence and reality of the true Christmas. God wants us to not go through this season and miss him, but to embrace him as Lord and God. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, or call us at 210-821-5683.